Mindset. Welcome to the Ascent Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. Together, we are all wisdom knowledge. Hey, what is up everyone? This week on the Send Podcast, we have the return of Robert Wagner. And for you guys who don't know who Robert is, he is the author of Lucid Dreaming, Gateway to the Inner Self, and also the author of a book called Lucid Dreaming, Plain and Simple. And he is the former president of the International Association for the Study of Dreams. And he's been lucid dreaming for four decades and has become one of the world's foremost experts on the subject. And Robert was actually at last on the podcast on episode 46 and 47. So if you've not listened to those, I would definitely recommend checking those out. So in my opinion of all the conscious technologies that are available and at our disposal for inner exploration, dreams is one that can often get overlooked in my opinion. We all do it every night and most of all, it's very damn cheap to do. (laughs) So despite the fact that dreaming is so ingrained within the human experience, It's not a topic that doesn't get the respect it deserves, in my opinion. And dreams are considered by by many scientists to be a way to sort of delete the junk from the mind and are often, for some reason, relegated to the realm of the woo instead of being classed as a tool for inner and outer frontier fit for rational and philosophical exploration. And before we had Robert on the podcast, which was nearly a year ago now, up to that point, I'd not had a lucid dream. And since then they've been coming more and more frequent. But between this conversation and other research I've heard and other research I've been looking into, put it this way, it's just like I said in episode 51, the dream world is an unmappable world. And all the ways that we can investigate the mysterious worlds that embrace the borders of reality, there's nothing more integral and universal than dreaming. And for most of us, so it isn't really a technique, it's something that just happens to us. But dreaming is more than that. It's a sort of a language that you can decipher and when you become more fluent enough, doors begin to open. And I'm not just talking about little ant doors, I'm talking about a door that a T-Rex could walk directly through and not even realise he's walked through it. So as you know, as usual, we get into some deep shit in this one. And I'm not even going to rattle off what we discuss in this. You'll just have to listen and find out, just like you're going to have to also become aware in your dreams to explore another world. So just before we jump in with this one, if you do want to support the podcast, please head over and check out our Patreon page. Patreon really is the best way to support the podcast. And even if everyone who listens to this podcast just signed up for the $2 tier, which is a price of a pack of, a to- pack of toilet rolls, we would be able to take this to that next level. And the good thing about Patreon is that whilst you also support the podcast, in return you also get to receive some really cool rewards like bonus content that doesn't just quite make the podcast, an online private Facebook group where we can all go deep and connect, online hangouts, binaural beats and guided meditations. So if you guys do want to become a Patreon member and support the podcast, please go to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash ascend so anyway let's jump with this one robert wagner how do you know you're not dreaming enjoy
last two conversations that we had, it really, um, it really opened up and sparked a, a big curiosity in my in my own mind and on Chris's mind as well, but especially in in my mind as well um, in the world of lucid dreaming. And um, so last time we did have you on the podcast, at that point in time. I had like I, me personally, I had quite a lot of vivid dreams, but I'd net to that point, I'd never had a lucid dream. And when you we did have you on the podcast, um, you told us you told us about the technique, um, the technique where you say tonight when I'll dream, I'll see my hands. So basically, that technique, I um, I planned on doing that for um, thirty days, and uh, so basically on the fifth night of doing that technique, basically it was just like a sort of like a pop, and it was like I like to call it like sort of a switch. And basically, I just my hands were in front of us, and at that point, I knew I was in a lucid dream. Wow. So, so even from that period as well, I've had several other experiences as well. But even just in reference to that first lucid dream, I mean, and it, it for me as well that lucid dream that I had, and I'm, I'll tell you a bit more about it. But it does sort of really stand out in my mind as something that, like, sort of when I look back, even now, I'm still asking questions about it now, and it sort of blows my mind. And just to not not to delve too deep into it because um, we actually did a full podcast about it as well, so the listeners don't probably don't want to want us to go right in right into this example again. But so basically, just to tell you as well, to give you a bit of a picture, eh, Robert, because I've really been excited to tell you about it as well. So basically, I was um, I was on a sort of a beach in the future, and um, basically, what happened is I encountered a dream figure. And um, obviously, when you were on the podcast and you were telling us about your experiences with dream figures and things like that, and you were saying don't get excited, and you were talking about certain ways to approach the dream figure and things like that so I was quite mentally prepared at the time and uh, I already had me questions sort of ready that I wanted to ask a dream figure straight away <laughs> and um, I, yeah and I asked the dream figure straight away I says um, but the, the interesting before I go there as well the interesting thing is the dream figure in a sense knew that I was he knew that I was dreaming which was very interesting, right. interesting as well and so right. anyway I asked him as well I says to him um, I says what is the nature of this reality and um, he turned around the dream figure and straight away and just says the nature of this reality is not what we seem and, but what's very interesting to me about that is not even just that answer which is very interesting but what's even more interesting than that it seemed to be that the guy in the dream was actually aware that someone was watching him so right. so what's interesting to me, I know that um, last time um, when you were on, were on the podcast, you were talking about this sort of a larger awareness to the dream. And you were talking about how the dream could, the dream itself actually communic- was communicating with you and things like that. And um, which which is very interesting to me. I mean, I was wondering, have you had any sort of, have you had any dream figures acting weird or aware that something sort of <laughs> was maybe something like monitoring their actions or reactions? Or maybe have you ever spoke to a dream figure and um, you've had got the sense that they were sort of holding information back? Right. So, so, so first, Chris and Dad, I, I just want to thank you guys for having me back because yeah. uh, I, I love talking about lucid dreaming and yeah. educating people about uh, lucid dreaming. And and I think one of the things, uh, and congratulations on your first lucid dream. That that's yeah, just yeah. totally epic. Uh, that, that's awesome. But but one of the things that you learn as a lucid dreamer when you're consciously able to explore the lucid dream and interact with dream figures and all, you realize that all dream figures are not created equal. They vary. And and so you're very fortunate that you met a knowledgeable dream figure, a more aware dream figure that could respond to your question. And also, I, I think that's a fascinating uh, response, too, because, because sometimes you can see almost in the eyes of the dream figure 
whether they have any sense of awareness. Um, if they look away from you, if they look down, if they don't catch your eye, n normally they can't even respond to questions. But, but when you find one that's ready for you and, and you can just see that in their eye, uh, sometimes they can give you some fascinating information. But, but again, if you want to reach out to the larger awareness, what I do in my lucid dreams is frequently I'll just ignore the dream figures unless they seem very interesting or, or, or important somehow or energetic. Uh, I'll ignore the dream figures and just shout out to my subconscious mind or the larger awareness, hey, show me something important for me to see or I'll ask to experience a concept. But, but you're right, s some dream figures um, do have powerful messages to convey. A and it's great that uh, in this very first lucid dream you uh, pulled this off because because it, it shows you were ready for the encounter yeah I, I th thanks by the way and i love i love that point there by the way as well and when you when you said there robert about how you were when you were now sort of uh you, you're sort of now looking towards the sort of the dream itself and asking the dream questions and you you were saying there you were asking the dream uh dream can you show me something what i was actually thinking there what's the most interesting thing when you've said that what is it like what's the most interesting thing to you that the dream has actually sort of shown you oh my gosh i you, you have to realize that it was I taught myself how to lucid dream in 1975. Uh -huh. uh, the scientific evidence came out around 1980, 1981. But it, it was in 1985 when I was part of a lucid dreaming group that every month we had a challenge, a goal to achieve. It was in one of these challenges um, in, I think it was March or May of 1985, that I realized that there's an awareness behind the dream. And uh, after that, so, so for more than 30 years, I've been interacting with the awareness behind the dream. But, but to get to some of the amazing things, you can shout out, hey, let me experience unconditional love. And all of a sudden, you'll begin to have a conceptual experience that will literally kind of shake the foundations of your being. To have an experience of love at this deep, deep level of consciousness is just totally profound. Or you can do like uh, a woman, an Australian uh, university student did in one of my uh, online courses. It took her four or five lucid dreams, but she wanted to become an electron in a lucid dream. Wow. And so she kept, you know, I told her she had to let go of her preconceptions, her ideas, her beliefs about what that experience should be like in order just to open up and surrender to it. And by the fourth or fifth lucid dream, she, she just had some profound experiences of becoming an electron, and, and, and she, she said it just totally blew her mind. But, but for me, one of the most amazing ones was one time in a lucid dream, and this was probably about 20 years ago, I announced, now let me experience the energy of the universe. And suddenly, it was like the dream screen cracked open and brilliant light was coming through the break in the dream screen and it was it was just hitting me like how water would hit you if you opened up a fire hydrant it was just energy was just gushing at me just all it was collecting in my uh, torso and in the palms of my hands and my forehead it it was just totally profound, and finally, it got to be so extreme that after about a minute, I, I just had I just had to yell out "stop, cancel," and, and then it stopped. 
but but it was it was to experience the energy of the universe for, for about one minute was literally all that I could take. And and the funny thing after that after that for the next year or two, every time I would hold my iPhone, I could barely hold it in my hand because I could feel the energy of the iPhone in the palm of my hands. It, it almost hurt to hold my iPhone. I mean, that, that's how profound some of these experiences can be. They can literally uh, uh, change a person. But you have to open up to it. You have to let go of fear. You, you have to be in the moment, be present, and, and all. But, but anyway, this is a great uh, first lucid dream, and I'm so glad that after five nights' practice uh, of my simple technique, you, you were able to pull it off. So, so congrats with that. Yeah, thank, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, definitely, done. Well done on that. Um, Robert, um, when you were asking the dream, like when you're asking this dream, does like your subconscious ever hold anything back? Do you ever feel like it does, or you, you, you know? I'm so glad you asked that, Chris, because um, it, you know I go around to give presentations at universities and conferences and things like that, and, and I, I'm trying to get across that when you interact with your subconscious mind or the awareness behind the dream or the larger awareness, that actually it's very responsive. Uh, for example, a friend of mine, Ed Kellogg, he has a PhD in biochemistry from Duke University, a really sharp guy and a wonderful lucid dreamer. He's he's probably been lucid dreaming for 30 or 40 years himself. But, but he told me about a lucid dream in which he stopped and he shouted out something to the effect that he wanted to experience the hyperdimensionality uh, of a string in string theory. So, so this is quantum physics and, and not something that I c- completely understand. But, but he said, after making that announcement, this non-visible voice responded and told him that it did not seem a good idea to do this kind of experiment at this time as he was too distracted and he, he he wrote that, oh, yeah, there was a woman in a bathing suit uh, off to the side. And then the, vo- then the voice continued and told him that he should come back and try this when when he's ready for it and more focused and not distracted. And, and so sometimes this larger awareness, it'll tell you what you're not ready for. Uh, here's another example. My um, So my co-author of my second book is Carolyn McCready. Uh, a one, wonderful lucid dreamer uh, there in the London area, and, and we wrote together the book Lucid Dreaming, Plain and Simple. But, but she told me that one night she became lucidly aware, and she shouted out, now show me my energy body as it exists. And and as I recall, she began to see a hologram, and she saw these kind of energy things that she called the chakras, and by various chakras, she saw astrological symbols or, or different types of symbols. And she was just blown away to see that. But then, two weeks later or so, she became lucid again. And she shouted out to the larger awareness, hey, larger awareness, now let my energy body be perfectly aligned. And suddenly, this non-visible voice, this larger awareness responded, you do not wish to do something like this. If you go ahead with this, it'll remove all the unique personality aspects that you consider yourself. It, it was basically telling her, if you perfectly aligned your body's energy, 
then your personality will be changed so much that, that you'll hardly even recognize yourself. And, and so, so the beautiful thing about this is that um, the larger awareness doesn't always agree with you. And also the larger awareness sometimes will tell you what you're thinking about proposing isn't going to happen or isn't going to work or is, is fundamentally flawed somehow. And so that's the beautiful thing about it is that, you know, you're playing in the sandbox of your mind, uh, of your deep unconscious, but even there, there's a, a caring, uh, concerned aspect that's still looking out for you and, and keeping you from going too far. Wow. Very interesting, by the way, that as well. And when, Robert, when you brought up there and you were talking about the larger, larger awareness and things like that, I mean, I've got to ask you this because on my mind here, I mean, I know this is probably a million dollar question, but in, in its core essence, what do you actually think that sort of, have you ever come to any conclusions what you actually think that sort of that large awareness actually is? You know, this is the million dollar question. So, you know, uh, so, some people would put uh, a half million on that it's, it's what you might call the larger self that, that Carl Jung the self with a capital S, the, the inner self. But but I, I, I want to tell you that every now and then I'll read lucid dream encounters with the larger self, and, and all, they almost sound like Old Testament vision experiences that you could read about in the Old Testament. Some of them are utterly profound, and so it does make me wonder – and I know some people would be horrified to, th to think about this, that, that in some regards that what we're calling the inner self or the awareness behind the dream is, is actually either a part of what people in ancient times called the soul. And, and you know, oftentimes we don't think of the soul as having a psychological dimension. We think of it as all spiritual and all interested in good and evil and all that kind of stuff. But, but, but when you start to read some of these examples uh, of the caring nature, of the instructive nature, of the educational nature of this larger awareness, this non-visible awareness, I, I mean, you, you start to get this kind of broader view of things. But, but, but again, uh, for some people, the, the, that's, that would be a revelation. And for other people, they don't even want to go there be, you know, because you know, the, the spiritual aspect of it. Uh, is too her heretical for him. So, 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 what is it, boy? That's the million-dollar question. Um, for my my part, I just call it the larger awareness. So, it might be what Carl Jung considered the inner self. It, it might be the psyche, as the Greeks defined it, or the daemon, the daemon, uh, as the Greeks uh, termed it. But the 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 one thing that I do have to say though is it's utterly, incredibly creative. One time in a lucid dream, I shouted out, hey, dream, show me my life as if it was a painting. Whoa. And then suddenly in the sky above me, uh, imagine a painting that was about 30 meters by 15 meters big that just suddenly appeared. And it was like, whoa. Think of all the creativity that had to occur in order for this giant painting to appear. And then this giant painting has to somehow connect with me. And I just sat there in the lucid dream looking at it, and I was just totally blown away. So, so 
the the depths that you can get to here are amazing. But but one one primary rule that I think people ought to consider is this: follow the creativity. You know, in your regular dreams, sometimes you have amazing creativity. Like Paul McCartney, he got the music to the song yesterday in a dream. It came to him in a dream, and he jumped up out of bed and ran to a piano and started to play it out before he forgot it. And he couldn't believe that his mind came up with this. But when you begin to follow the creativity, then you go deeper and deeper and deeper into yourself. And that's the beautiful thing about lucid dreaming as a technique for psychological exploration or spiritual exploration. You can become lucidly aware and begin to interact with dream figures uh, like Dan did. You can interact with the larger awareness like I've been talking about. And and sometimes you just discover amazing things. Yeah. Well, you, you certainly do uncover some amazing things, and so will everybody else listening to this right now, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you were actually touching there, Robert, you were touching on like um, like the spiritual aspect of like, are we the, are we looking at the um, our consciousness or sorry, the subconsciousness that we're asking the questions to? Are they like a, in a godden sense? Well, which which is very interesting to me is like when I had my lucid dreaming experience was when I was like turning over planes and like. I really had the complete power in that dream. I actually did feel like a god as such. And <laughs> so I was wondering, like, in a, in the essence, are we gods in dreams? Is Have we got all the power there? <laughs> yeah, you know, it is kind of an interesting thing. Um, um, one thing that happens to a lot of people as soon as they become lucidly aware is that they feel this, they feel kind of invigorated, like they're... I'm not going to say they're more powerful, but I'm going to say that they're more their true self. Mm. When they become consciously aware within the lucid dream, I think they naturally connect with their larger awareness, and they begin to feel its energy. And in that sense, they do feel powerful and whole and invigorated and all that kind of stuff. And, and of course, in the lucid dream, if you want to, you know, you can you can smash everything in the lucid dream if you want to, or you can build it up if you want to. You can create things, destroy things, and, and all that kind of stuff. But 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 what what I think it teaches us, if if you want to go there, is that we're co-creators with our larger awareness. You know, sure, the ego self can do a lot of things. You know, you can make things happen and swim underwater and go through walls and talk to dream figures and and all that kind of stuff you can stretch your little finger until it's two meters long you can do all sorts of crazy stuff but you realize how small and simple that is when you start to reach out to the larger awareness and see what kind of creativity it can do in, in microseconds and, and so it it even though you do have this kind of initial kind of ego inflation of how powerful and strong and, and creative and masterful you are, as you go deeper and deeper and begin to realize that your larger awareness exists there with you, then you realize, wow, you know, that actually all of this is being created as a co-creation between me and my larger self working together, and it's a cooperative adventure. But, but a lot of times at the first, uh, people are really, you know, just uh, kind of yeah. ego ego excited w with what they can do. But but when they start to team up with their larger awareness, they just realize it. It's 
it's like the power is squared or something. It's like yeah. five five squared is so much bigger than five. So you always feel like there's another power there. You know, I I, I do, and it's kind of a funny thing. I, I read a quote by Pythagoras, who, who was this you know ancient Greek guy who who came up with the Pythagorean theorem, but he's also kind of a mystic and, and all, and, and he said that that the soul was the self squared so 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 if if you yourself are 10 then then 10 squared is 100 that would be the soul it, it was it was the square uh, of of the ego self and and sometimes i i think he's right because when, when in a lucid dream you interact with this larger awareness you you just realize that it's a whole other magnitude uh, greater uh, than your awareness yeah, I love that by the way, Robert, as well. And when you were talking before as well about um, co-creating a dream, it's very interesting because I've had this on my mind as well. And I wanted to ask, I wanted to sort of tell you about this as well because, um, so basically I had like a sort of, I've been questioning sort of how much, like you were saying before about the co-creation, I was actually being questioned how much is my subconscious mind actually affecting the dream. But also on the other side as well, when I'm having more lucid dreams now, I'm also realizing, like you said as well, there is this sort of maybe this larger intelligence to the dream as well. And there is, a, is this sort of reality out of, our, out of our control. That's what I'm feeling anyway. And uh, anyway, I had this I had this one dream as well where basically I was lying in bed and um, I, I woke up in the dream, sort of see it, and uh, there was a dwarf standing at the, in the, at the bottom of the bed. Wow. So, so basically what I was, I jumped up and I ran to the door and basically the like the man the dwarf just basically just disappeared so then what happened is within the dream i, f- I fell back to sleep and then um, i wake up and my girlfriend who was lying beside us in bed just completely like vanished and disappeared and then what was interesting in that dream the, the door then opened when my girlfriend was disappeared and um a woman like sort of dressed in um like sort of sexy suspenders um walked in and she said she's just said to us straight away like will you sleep with us come on sleep with me and um then, then straight away, straight away, something in my mind said, "I know this is not real." So I jumped up and I was like, "This isn't real. This isn't real." And then all of a sudden, the the woman just completely vanished. So then, what happened is, then I then I walked to the door, walked to the to the bedroom door again, and then basically what happened is, I was in this sort of this long corridor, and what it was like is the dream then just started like sort of hitting us with loads of different sort of tests, and it was it seemed to me that the dream was sort of pulling on me subconscious mind. And it was what the we are sort of interpreted that dream, and I want to see your thoughts on it as well. It seemed to me that it was like a sort of a, a test of all tests. It was like sort of the dream, sort of like really knew like sort of who I was, and it was sort of like deep into my subconscious mind, and it was sort of it was pulling on everything like sort of who I who who I am, and it was sort of pulling on everything that I'm sort of attracted to or drawn to, and it was trying to like sort of see if I was if I accepted it as real or not, which I thought was really fascinating. Wow! Wow! No, that's incredible. Um, you, you know, so that's another beautiful thing, especially if you're a long-term lucid dreamer. You'll start to realize that there's these certain categories of lucid dreams where I feel, just like you suspected, that you are being tested. And in my first book, uh, Lucid Dreaming, Gateway to the Inner Self, I have a whole chapter on what I call review committees, because what would happen to me, sometimes I'd be lucidly aware, and then a very knowledgeable dream figure would come up to me and ask me to follow it, because there was a group who wanted to meet me and ask me questions. And I would follow some dream figure, and then I'd meet some group, and they would sit there and ask me questions you know about the nature of consciousness and various things and then they would sit there and talk about me uh, you know I, like I was some candidate for 
you know, a position or something. It, it, it was truly wild. But, but, but what I like about your example is, is they were kind of testing you about what you'd be attracted to, yeah. and, and about your attachments and your aversions, which is kind of a, a, a Buddhist way of thinking about it, but, but, but is, is honestly, um, to me, sounds like one of these kind of review committees where you truly are being tested uh, in that moment to see how how you've developed and and how how great your realization actually is about the state that you're in. Well, it's I love that by the way, Robert. And I have to jump on your point as well because I think your your story was much better than mine. <laughs> and, um, more fascinating as well because it made me question my mind there because I was thinking when you were talking there about the sort of the committee and things like that, and they were asking you questions about the nature of reality and things like that. I was actually thinking like so, just see if example is for me now is imagine if um, sort of like a UFO turned up on the planet now and an alien sort of got out. There would actually be a sort of committee that would turn up now and they would they would sort of take that. They would, they would though. They would take the alien and they would take exactly. them in a, the government officials yeah. would take them in a room and they would start asking them questions about where you're from, things like that. What's the nature of reality and things like that, wouldn't they? That's what I'm thinking there. Yeah, yeah, and you know, probably the first time this happened to me was. I, in 1984, uh, that, that that's the year I got married, and, and so that summer um, I became lucid one night, and I was there with my fiance, and uh, and so in the lucid dream I decided to teach her all the principles of lucid dreaming that I'd learned up to that point. So I showed her how to use expectation and how to use focus and intent and will and, and manipulate the entire lucid dream. And then at the end of it, I looked over, and there was this whole line of Chinese guys in robes who were who were watching watching me or watching us, and it was it was really a strange thing. That was the first time I think I really realized that. Wait a second, am, am I being kind of like watched or, or or reviewed or something? But 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 yeah, you have a great thing that. In your idea of the UFO, you know, coming from another dimension or, or Alpha Centauri or wherever they come from, um, um, it's kind of like, what if we, by lucid dreaming, are actually voyaging into inner dimensions? And sometimes when we get to other dimensions, of which there might be an infinity, uh, sometimes the inhabitants there are kind of amazed uh, uh, that, that we stumbled into to their to their dimension because to them their dimension seems real for us it seems a lucid dream but 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 in any case uh you you could imagine uh you know some of the some of the ways you could play around with this but but one thing that i do want to say because this gets back to this issue of of dream figures um um in my books i've mentioned how sometimes in lucid dreams i'll announce now all thought forms must disappear. So, so I, I just shout, shout out, now all thought forms must disappear. And when I'm saying that a thought form is, is what I'm trying to say is, is a, it's a dream figure that's created by the thinking of my mind. It, it's a thought form. So, and the amazing thing is sometimes when I do that, all the dream figures disappear. Sometimes when I do that, most of the dream figures disappear, but there'll be some who look over at me like, can't you tell that we aren't different than those thought form creations? And, and so that's how you can begin to play around with the lucid dream experience again. 
and, and that's why I started at the very beginning by saying all dream figures are not created equal. Some dream figures, and even Carl Jung came up with this as well, that, that he realized he, he had a he had a dream figure tell him in an imagination state that told Carl Jung, and it said to him, "There are some things that are here that are not created by your mind." And, and this this figure, who also appeared in his dreams, he called Philemon, um, was just trying to get across to him that. There's some things that exist that you are not necessarily their creator. Uh, they exist within the larger framework of the psyche, but but you are not their creator. And, and, and so that, that's the amazing thing about lucid dreaming. You begin to explore this, and you really realize how little we know in, in the physical realm about the nature of this inner reality. Yeah, definitely as well. And then when you were talking about them dream figures there as well, it, it it seems to me that them dream figures, for me anyway as well, when I've had my lucid dreams and what you just said there as well, it seems to be that th these dream figures are having their own sort of human experience in that sort of reality or dimension as well. And it's interesting before because when you were talking, when you said before about multiple, um, you, when you talked about possibility of multiple, multiple dimensions, I think as well if we do sort of take that sort of that leap in understanding that we are... Um, sort of multi-dimensional beings or whatever you want to call it I think we can sort of open our minds to sort of the possibility that we are sort of a part of these multiple realities and that's what lucid dreaming can do lucid dreaming can be one of them bridges to that plane or whatever you want to call it to the world a different dimension but I think as well what that allows you to do from that position as well is to sort of allow you to sort of create these advancements in your own consciousness from that that's what I'm thinking right right and and it, it is quite amazing um um you know, you, you have a lot of lucid dreamers. Um, they become aware, consciously aware in the dream, and they'll go up to a dream figure and they'll say, hey, do you know I'm dreaming you? And sometimes the dream figure replies, how do you know I'm not dreaming you? And, and then the lucid dreamer has to think, and so the lucid dreamer would say something like, well, look, I can fly. And then the dream figure says, well, look, I can fly too. And they would begin to try to one-up each other, you know, and at the end of it, they couldn't figure out whose dream is this. And, and and that's the beautiful thing about some lucid dreams. When you meet these very knowledgeable dream figures and, and you realize that they have the same capabilities as you. And, and there was a German psychologist, uh, psychotherapist, Paul Tholey, who, who also mentioned how he realized in his lucid dreams that sometimes the dream figures were more aware than he was, wow. and they were also aware before he became lucidly aware. Because sometimes a dream figure would start asking him questions that would finally prompt him into lucidity. And when you have those moments when the dream figures make you become aware, then you really sit back and think, wow, how is this being created? Who's creating this? You know, Are these parts of my psyche? Are these independent semi-personalities on their own you know how, how, how does this really work but 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 it truly is a fascinating area yeah it certainly is robert and um something actually cropped up in my mind when we were actually talking there with dan and um i had to write this down because only this morning i was i was in it i did a few meditations this morning me and and it's very interesting how some similarity between dream figures and my meditation experience plays in together it's um, throughout my guided meditation, what I was doing this morning, I was asked the, um, a question from through the um, through the guide on the meditation. He said, um, "What's most important in your life right now?" 
and and all the way through that he kept asking us to repeat this question and I was like what's most important I couldn't figure out I was going through is, is it me partner is it me is it send is it me health is it me wealth family whatever it is I was trying to figure it out and the more after the guided meditation was over I couldn't find the answer so I went into an unguided meditation and I, I reached out to my higher self and I had this beautiful vision of me and my higher self walking along a beach and I just asked him, I said, what's most important in my life? And he just turned to us and he looked at us and he said, my only guide here is to take you to happiness. And a soon, boom, like a light bulb just hit and I had my answer. And this is what <laughs> made me think right now, be guiding at the dream figures. I was thinking, is meditative state, like me in a deep meditation and dreams, are, are these like, is dreams the ultimate meditative state where you can find complete peace and happiness? Ah, you know that's that's a brilliant uh, a, a, a brilliant idea and, and a wonderful story uh, too, because uh, sometimes in deep meditation, um, um, I've gotten into a very lucid, dreamlike state, and and you begin to see how these things uh, might actually connect. And so uh, I, I can't recall if I mentioned this story in one of our previous podcasts, but but one time about about ten years ago, um, I was meditating in the middle of the afternoon. I got down to a very deep level, and I could feel my larger awareness. You know, uh, it, it was just a feeling. And so so like I tell people in my lucid dream courses, is is you should always ask an open ended question. And so I reached out to my larger awareness, and again, I'm physically awake, I'm meditating during the day, and I reach out and say, hey, larger awareness, what do you have to say to me? And it said, we want you to give $10,000 to your friend Paul back in your hometown. And I thought, what? And and I immediately came out of the meditation. And, and I, I was kind of shaken up. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa what, what's this all about? So the next day, I was back in meditation, sitting in the same chair, middle of the afternoon, get down deep, and now I can feel my larger awareness and and also the energy of um, the deceased mother of my friend Paul. And I reach out to my larger awareness, and I say, hey, larger awareness, what do you, what do you have to say to me now? And it says, again, we want you to send $10,000 to your friend Paul back in your hometown. And I think, whoa, and I come out of meditation. So so when I came out, I, I told my wife, I, I go, look, whenever I have the same dream on successive nights, night after night, I, I always do whatever it seems to be indicating. And, and I said, I've had this experience twice in waking meditations, and, and so I think we got to do something, you know. And my wife is a very sharp person. She goes, look. Let's just send Paul a note, and, and we'll include a check for $1,000, and we'll just say, hey, Paul, we're your good friends. If you need help, we'll help you. So that day, we put that in the envelope in the mail with the check and, and send it off. And about four days later, my friend Paul called up. He lives about eight hours away. And at first, I couldn't understand him because he was so emotional. Then finally, he calmed down, and he told me that – a few months earlier, his dad had fallen in the bathtub and broke his hip. And since that time, his dad's been in a nursing home where they say they're going to teach him how to walk again, 
but he can tell that they're never going to teach him how to walk again. And so my friend Paul wanted $10,000, that exact amount, in order to put a disabled bathroom in his house so that his father could come live with him and the state of Kansas would give uh, 40 hours of nursing care a week uh, for, for someone like that. Whoa. And and we sent him the money. He built the disabled uh, bathroom on his house, and his dad came and lived with him for six and a half years uh, before he passed away. But 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 so what I'm saying is, is that in a lucid dream, when you begin to interact with your larger awareness, you, you kind of get into this neurological principle of neurons that fire together, wire together. If you start to do a practice over and over and over, you just make it easier to connect to whatever that activity is. And so what I'm saying is that in meditation, in the waking state, sometimes I feel like a person who does this kind of thing in their lucid dream has an easier time of connecting to their larger awareness in the waking state because they've they've done that practice so often that, that now it just becomes that much easier. So, so uh, it, it is kind of, kind of beautiful how, how all of this connects, whether it's lucid dreaming, guided imagination, active imagination, guided meditations, meditation itself, that they all interconnect because they take you to a deeper place. Wow, what a story. I love that, by the way. Really a very fascinating story. I was thinking of so much in my head there when you were saying that. And straight away, cut my head there. I was thinking straight away, where where is this information come from? Because that's what I was thinking there, because it seems to me that there is this sort of inner known amongst all human beings that there is sort of more than meets eye to this reality that we're in now. I mean, and, I mean, this is, and we know this is something that has been talked about through many cultures, through like over the millennia and things like that. I mean, you've had, this is a spin-off question from that. I mean, you've had sort of loads of experiences of the sort of the dream world and I know that you've had experiences of sort of, I know you mentioned the last podcast of uh, past live experiences and precognition and things like that and lucid dream through your lucid dream journeys. I mean, what what do you think is, I mean, this is a deep question, but what do you actually think is like going on here? What's the bigger picture? I mean, why are we actually here? <laughs> and that, that, that's deep. That's deep, but it was just on my mind I had to ask it. <laughs> you, you know, we're, in in the most fundamental sense and, and, and for, for everybody, we're, we're actually on classroom earth yeah I, I, I don't care who you are or where you are we are all in a classroom and there's the collective classroom uh here on planet earth and then there's our own individual personal classroom you know what we're trying to develop what we're trying to learn what deficits we're trying to overcome what, what abilities we're s s trying to grow and and also what kind of creativity are we trying to access and, and bring into phenomenal reality and, and so so on a very fundamental level what we're here about is education creativity and personal fulfillment that, that that's what it seems like to me but 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 in a more uh, deeper way and mystical way is you, you begin to realize, especially when you interact with past life selves in a lucid dream or do those kind of things, that that this ego self is actually just kind of a construct. It's kind of a created thing. It might live for 20 years or 40 years or 80 years or whatever, but 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 in the long in the long run. It's not the durable self. It's kind of the phenomenal self in this phenomenal uh, reality. And, and so you, you realize that 
that in the Buddhist dream yoga monasteries, the first lesson they try to get across to these little monks is all this is a dream. And so, so what the monks are trying to teach them isn't that all of this is not important or all of this is a fantasy or all of this is illusion. What they're trying to say, I feel, is that all of this is a mental creation. It's, it's an it's a expression of the mind, just like the dreams that we have for two and a half hours every night. They're a projection of mental energy. They're expression of the mind. And, and um, in, in my second book, I, I give people a way to play around with this and to show themselves that right now in this waking reality, you exist within a mental projection. And, and so, so I'm going to tell you the technique, so, so you don't even have to read the, the final chapter of my second book. But he, here's the technique. Find within yourself a characteristic that you feel very neutral about. For example, you might say, well, I'm kind of funny, but I'm not really funny. I'm actually kind of neutral funny. I'm just kind of right there in the middle. Or I'm kind of attractive, but I'm not really that attractive. I'm just kind of in the middle. I just don't really think about it. So we're trying to find a neutral characteristic, one that you don't really think about. It's just something neutral. So then, here's the technique. Once you find that, about five or ten times a day, for, for just a minute, focus on that characteristic and supersize it. Like, like if it's if it's being funny or comedic. All of a sudden, five or ten times a day, stop for a second and think and tell yourself, I'm the funniest person in England. I am absolutely the most hilarious person in England. People love me. They think I'm hilarious. And then see everybody laughing and, and all that kind of stuff. Just do it for a minute, then let it go. And then a couple hours later, when you get the impulse, do it again. I'm the funniest person in England. People think I'm great. It's hilarious. I'm just the best. I'll tell you, if you do that, don't tell anyone that you're doing this, but within three or four days of doing this consistently, all of a sudden, you'll be in the checkout line at the market, and, and you'll say something, and everyone will burst out laughing. And you'll think, oh, my God, that wasn't even funny. Why are they laughing? Or you'll say something to a stranger on the bus, and all of a sudden, the entire bus will burst out laughing. And you'll think, oh, my God, what's happening? Then you'll realize that you're radiating out, you're projecting out this supersized energy of this belief that you're the funniest person in England or you're the most attractive person in, in, in the whole European Union. What, whatever it is, whatever your neutral belief that you've suddenly energized, after three or four days, you'll start to see it. Within seven or eight days, it'll get to be out of control and you'll probably stop it. In one of my online workshops, this woman, so, so she, I think she said she was like 55 years old or 50 years old. She lived in Australia. And she decided that every day she was going to tell herself that she was super attractive, utterly attractive and all. She said that with on the fourth or fifth day of doing this, a guy in his 30s asked her for her phone number. She said she was so stunned she said no one had asked her for her phone number for like 35 years. <laughs> she, she said she was so amazed that this thing actually worked of supersizing your beliefs. And so, so when you do this and when you start to see how that outside world responds back to you and gives you feedback, 
it'll project back to you what your mind stream is all about. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why part of the Buddhist philosophy is observing the nature of mind. Because because what's getting reflected back to you is are your thoughts. And, and so play around with this neutral characteristic idea, and you can see it for yourself. Yeah, definitely. Um, Robert, I have a very similar um, experience, which I do every single day, actually. Um, I've, I actually record, um, I've got them all written on me, a phone is called Tor. They're called Thoughts of Empowerment, and I record myself saying them. Um, every day, every morning, I'll see what's on my mind, and and then I'll listen back, and I'll always finish off on my first ever thought of empowerment, which was um, which was me affirmations about telling us how amazing I am and how incredible I am for being here, and and I always walk around feeling how grateful I am, even even if I'm having a terrible day, I always burst with gratitude, always, and and I think me doing affirmations every day. It's led to so many things, like this podcast, uh, meeting Dan, being a part of this universe, being alive, being conscious. Everything is just feels hundred percent grateful. It's like my mind's constantly being altered just through my own words and my own thoughts. And this is what. Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that, that that's exactly the nature of the situation. Is is uh, when we begin to focus on certain thoughts, certain beliefs, certain ideas. We, we project that energy out there, and then it gets reflected back to us. So, so in some sense, the world out there, it's, it's all a giant Rorschach test. I, I think that's that test where you look at ink blots and, and then you tell what they are. I, I mean, if, if you begin to change your mind, it's the only way of changing your experience reality. And that's what lucid dreams and this waking dream of reality teaches us. Well, before as well, Robert, just to jump in as well, before when you were talking about, um, you, you said the word, um, how, well, how, what, uh, you said walking, walking reality being a mental construct, that's what you said. I mean, right. have, to get to that, to get to that perspective in your mind, I mean, to, I, I can't remember if you mentioned this, but just to sort of hone in on that, you must have had sort of a lucid dream experience that sort of really sort of, like, solidified that understanding in your mind. I mean, I know, I know you've had like sort of a collection of, a collection, of, a collection of lucid dreams would have played into that, but there still must have been that one sort of, that one certain lucid dream that sort of, like sort of, seed completely seeded that in your mind, sort of say. Well, yeah. So, so, so it's, so you have to realize that, that I've been involved in this lucid dream game for a long time, and um, and what happened to me about twenty years into lucid dreaming, I began to realize that, okay, a lucid dream is a co-created creation or construct uh, of me and my larger awareness. A dream is a co-created construct of me and my larger awareness. And now I'd gotten to the point where I saw that waking life was also a co-constructed creation of my larger awareness and me within this field of all these other awarenesses. And, And so I began to wonder does a real reality exist? You know, it's, what's the nature of the larger awarenesses reality? What, what, what is, is there something solid behind all of this or is everything just this kind of mirror world that reflects back to us, our beliefs, expectations, our ideas, our focus, our thoughts and our mental energy. And, and so 
when I began to have this kind of line of thinking, suddenly something strange started to happen. I'd fall asleep at night, and the entire night would be nothing but blue light. And, and I remember the first night it happened, I, I woke up, and, I, and I, I, I thought, gosh, what do I put in my dream journal, blue light? Because there is no me, no action, no pot, no symbols, just the entire night, blue light. And, and so this started happening, you know, intermittently. Uh, I'd have these nights of blue light. And I remember one morning I came down to the breakfast table and my wife, Wendy, was there. And, and she looked at me and she said, she said, what's happening to you? And I asked her, what, why, why would she ask me a question like that? And she said, she woke up in the middle of the night and she looked over at me and she said she had never seen a face in such utter bliss before. And she said, seeing this kind of blissful face, she, she said it, it was so strange, it was so striking, she even wondered if she dreamt it. But but this was on one of the nights of the blue light experience. And, and so I told her, you know, I was trying to understand the actual nature of reality, and I was having these bizarre experiences <laughs> as a result. And, and so some other things happened, but to make a long story short, finally what resulted was one night I'm falling asleep, and my larger awareness tells me that if I want to go the full distance, I might cease to be. Whoa. And it, it literally meant, you know, that I might, you know, not re-wake up in this in this waking reality. And, and I told my larger awareness, I said, look, I, I've got to understand the actual nature of things, because otherwise, this will all just seem like some sort of uh, joke, tragic comedy kind of life experience. And, and so that night, if you can imagine this, and, and it's a little bit hard to imagine, but 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 imagine awareness, aware within awareness, and and this experience happens, continues, goes on, and then boom, it ends, and suddenly I'm there standing next to a guy, and I ask the guy, "What was that? Was that a lucid dream?" And he said, "Oh no, to enter a lucid dream, go here," and he points to a space. I step into that space, and now I'm hurtling through this uh, colored um, tunnel of light with geometric symbols and stuff, and then I pop lucidly aware into a lucid dream. But when I woke up in the morning, I thought, what was that first experience, that awareness of being aware within awareness? And and it was about three years later, I was at the uh, Association for the Study of Dream annual conference, and this guy, uh, Tenzin Wangyal Rinpoche, who's a Tibetan Buddhist uh, monk, he had just written this book, The Tibetan Yogas of Dream and Sleep. And he stood up there and said, oh, the, the goal of dream yoga is the experience of awareness by awareness itself. And I, I was blown away. I never understood that, there, that these, this experience, set of experiences, was connected to anything because I never read Buddhism as a kid. I, I just thought, oh, there's all these translation issues and all this other stuff, and, and it just was, like, too, too, too difficult. But it, it was amazing to realize that, that, that in some regards I had bushwhacked my way uh, to the goal of dream yoga uh, by, by just – doing the things and approaching things in the way that I had. But but later I realized that there's even more to the story because I realized that in some dreams and lucid dreams, I, I was actually being educated along this path 
and someday I'll get around to writing a third book and um, and kind of talk about what I realized uh, after the fact was uh, how I was actually being educated. Yeah, okay. So so anyway, that 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 was the big experience. When I woke up from that experience, I realized that 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 we do exist within a construct. That 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 each of us in our own ego ways are constructs. And it's not to say that we're not important. It's not to say that life isn't beautiful, special, and precious, and all that kind of stuff. But but it is a constructed thing, and, and that's why it's so important. Like you guys have been talking about, that you have to pay attention to your mind because what you're telling your mind creates the reality that you then experience. So if you don't like the reality that you're experiencing, you've got to start to begin to tell your mind other stuff, and it'll get reflected out there. I love that, by the way, and, and Robert as well. I, I thought as well when you said when you said there you were when you were explaining that story there. I thought you had. I was actually witnessing loads of courage in your mind. Actually, sort of, sort of go past that understanding that this might be the it might be it, and I think that's really courageous to do that as well because I know of the, the lucid dream experience that I had towards the end of the experience. I was actually getting quite scared, so I think that I think that's very, very courageous to actually in your to get that to get that to see that thought in your mind to go beyond that point. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you one beautiful thing about lucid dreaming, if you go deeper, it'll teach you that the only way you grow is by dealing with your fears, resolving your fears, facing your fears, looking through them, getting past them. That's the only way to keep growing, and you're never going to get to the actual nature of things unless you basically, at the end of it, become fearless because, like you say – in dreams and lucid dreams, you can deal with some pretty heavy-duty stuff and some pretty scary stuff. But if you become lucidly aware and realize, wait a second, this is a product of my mind. How does this connect to me? Or if you respond to the scary thing, what do you have to say to me? What do you represent? And learn what it's all about. Then you'll be able to break through it and, and, and become your more true self. Yeah, I love that. And, and and by the way, Robert, a question I want to ask you as well from that as well is when you were saying about um, you said about how you had the option where the uh, the dream figure said step in here for a lucid dream. I was actually thinking in my head there, what would ha- what would have happened if you actually didn't step into the lucid dream? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things. Uh, um, in a lot of lucid dreams, you have to think of how to, how to respond. And, and so 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 uh, you know, I I I think I would. At the time, it didn't occur to me that I had other options. You know, I could have hung out and asked that guy uh, s- some other uh, interesting questions. But, but, but you're right. Uh, you, you make your response and you go with it. But, but the one thing it it did make when I woke up that next morning, the, all all of reality had basically changed for me. And, and that that's why I wanted to get back to your original question. What what was the did I ever have one big experience that made me realize that? mental reality is a construct and, and that was the big experience that made me realize because i'll tell you that that non-dual experience what it made me realize when i resolved when i woke up was that we all exist within an interconnected oneness you know a, a spiritual person might be say oh we're all god stuff or we're all part of a universal mind or god's mind or something like that but 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 within us, at some deep, deep level, we're part of this interconnected oneness. 
and that explains why you can have precognitive dreams, why you can get telepathic information, why you can pick up clairvoyant uh, information, why you can do things like remote viewing, because we exist as an interconnected oneness. And so time and space, as dreams show us, are fundamentally illusions. If you take it even deeper, you'll see that this ego-self is basically a created construct. But at the bottom of it, at the implicate order, if you want to talk like a physicist, there there's this awareness, this field of awareness. And within that field of awareness, everything that ever was, is, or will be uh, exists. And it exists in kind of a eternal now. Yeah, as well. I love that as well. And that also tie what you're saying there as well. Though I've got I've got a few points I want to say here, by the way, because there's so much there, Robert. Again, honestly, it's I'm, I'm it's amazing podcast. This, by the way, I'm absolutely I've got the <laughs> biggest smile on my face ever, and so is Chris. It's amazing. But um, just before as well, um, when you were talking about there that this, there's this field, larger field of awareness. I mean, I don't know if you you're familiar with um, there's a book by a guy called. Evan Evan Lazanzo, he's called. It's called the Akashic Records as well, which that's a very interesting read as well. And that might also might ask make, make you ask even some more questions in relation to dream this this larger sort of field of intelligence. Because when I was doing the research into that book, a lot of these sort of Australian Aborigines had been talking about this for years. How the, what, there is this sort of like you said, there's this larger intelligence informational field, whatever you want to call it, that we do have the ability to sort of tap into it. And we we know now on this planet we have. Um, in this reality that we're in now, we're sort of like it's sort of like I like to say life is sort of like a radio, like a radio tuner. So we're tuning into a certain frequency now. So that's how we're us three able to communicate. But like like in the the dream world, there might be that sort of that it might just be a little bit of a tuning mechanism to tune into a different frequency. That's what I'm thinking with the dream world. And um, before as well, just to jump back in as well, if if you've got a point on that, you can jump in. But um, before as well, when you were mentioning about because um, I don't want to forget this, but you were mentioning about uh, pre cognitive dreams as well. And uh, that's very interesting to me because you're mentioning you're mentioning time as well, time like sort of being an, um, an illusion, and it's very interesting because I know that sort of understanding of time being an illusion. I know many sort of physicists are now talking about how time isn't sort of a solid concept anyway, and I know some physicists, physicists, sorry, talking about how um, time may not even exist. And if you do take that concept over sort of to the dream world, I mean, how time doesn't even exist. I mean, it's definitely plausible because I know that obviously you feel that and I feel that when I have dreams as well. But I would actually love to see your thoughts as well. And a question I thought of from that, I mean, your thoughts on sort of time and dreams. I mean, do you think there is any sort of, is there any interesting, is there any interesting things from that that may transition over in regards to time over in regards to this reality, if that makes sense? Well, you know, um, I, I think one of the beautiful things about what you've said here is it shows us the importance of dissociation, uh-huh. of, of kind of stepping apart from this intense focus on physical reality or waking reality and either through meditation or guided meditation or active imagination or hypnosis, self-hypnosis or whatever, if we, if we can dissociate ourselves just a little bit, oftentimes we can start to get information that that exists but but we're not paying attention to because we're so intensely focused on physical reality. And, and so that, that that's why, well, one thing I want to say to everybody, some people are great at lucid dreaming. Some For some people, it's their path. It might not be everybody's path, but everybody can meditate or do guided meditations. And in some of these guided meditations, information will come to you. And if you take the time to check it out, 
you know, whether it's an impulse or intuition or whatever it is, you know, oftentimes you'll find that, that the information is valid or accurate, even though it might appear symbolically. Now, when it comes to this issue of time and space, you know, think of your normal dream. In a normal dream, you might find yourself in your childhood home with your current friends from work, you know, talking about some future event or something. I mean, in dreams, naturally, we begin to let go of time and space. We see them as kind of not fundamental. They're they're very loose. They're very associ- associational and, and not this kind of fixed, linear, solid thing. And, and if you ever go to uh, uh, meet a good psychic or something and suddenly they're picking stuff, you know, out of the ethers that suddenly, you know, two months later actually occur in your real life, you, you realize that, wait a second, on one level, okay, that person's psychic, that's great. But on another level, if reality was linear, like it appears to be, that would be impossible. So because they're able to pull that out, it shows that at some deeper level, there's some information field, some collective unconscious, some universal mind where that information already resides. And it shows that the actual nature of things is that time and space seem linear, but they're not. They're mushy. It's, it's all spooky action at a distance, uh, as the quantum physicists like to say. Well, what a powerful answer, by the way, that was as well. And um, this is a bit of a, this is a bit of a different question. This so I want to ask you in regards to that as well. I mean, because I was reading, I was reading somewhere. I don't know if this is true, but I, I just wanted to ask you this. I mean, I was reading somewhere that in dreams, in terms of time, I heard I, I, I was reading some sort of um, sort of stories of like people's lucid dream experiences. And I haven't, I haven't. When I've had a lucid dream, I haven't really focused on this. This is this is something I'm going to actually try in the next next time I lucid dream. But in the lucid dream, is there is there actually sort of any is there is there actually have you is there any clocks in the dream? And I was also wondering as well within the dream as well, on the on the sort of the like the time dialer on the clocks, are they actually sort of Stand like standing still or any time? Well, you know that that's a that's an interesting one. Um, I mean, some people become lucidly aware when they find themselves in the middle of the night looking at a clock and, and it says 2.30, then the next time they look at it, it says, you know, 7.29. And they'll think, wait a second, and, and they'll become lucidly aware. Um, the, the, the interesting thing about nowadays, uh, um, um, oftentimes you'll have lucid dreamers who rewind their lucid dream. So, so something will be happening in their lucid dream that they don't like, and they'll put up their hand and they'll, they'll yell, stop. And then they'll start to move their hand and rewind the lucid dream back to an earlier place and start it up again and now have a different response. And so lucid dreamers are already playing around with with time within their lucid dream. Um, occasionally you'll you'll meet somebody who, you know, will talk about um, um, time compression within a lucid dream. Like a lot of us um, here in the U- U.S., we have uh, snooze snooze buttons on our on our alarm clocks, and so the alarm clock rings, and you hit the snooze button, and they give you seven more minutes before it rings again. And, and like one guy wrote that his alarm clock rang, he hit the snooze button, he fell asleep, and then he became lucidly aware, and he had this lucid dream that seemed like it took about twenty minutes, and then the alarm went off again, and he realized that that entire lucid dream that seemed like about 20 minutes 
had actually occurred within the space of six minutes, uh, you know, at the most. And, and so, so you you realize how spongy uh, time is, uh, especially in the dream world. Yeah, yeah, you definitely find um, a lot of answers in regards to time, especially on, within dreams. Uh, yeah. Robert, oh, Robert, I was just going to say, just to, just to bring this to an end, um, I, I was, uh, me and Dan were both wondering, what are some of the questions that you were asking yourself at this point in your life in regards to the dream world? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah. oh, sorry, I was just going to say as well. <laughs> go, go, go ahead, go ahead, yeah. Uh, and what areas are you like going to be focusing on, like exploring through lucid dreaming in the future? Yeah, yeah. You know, for, for me, um, um, normally in my lucid dreams, I'll, I'll do one of two things. I'll either spend the entire lucid dream just absolutely having as much fun as possible. And, and then the alternative is I'll spend the lucid dream exploring some topic very deeply. And, and so a lot of times, um, you know, I'll shout out, now let me experience whatever, but for just one minute, because I know the experience will be so powerful that at, at the end of one minute, I want it to conclude. And, and it's amazing. Suddenly, I'll be in this deep experience. It'll go on for one minute, and then bam, I'll be back in a normal uh, lucid dream without that conceptual experience happening. But but for me, it's basically um, uh, exploring the depths of awareness. Because I'll tell you, we're involved in something deep. You know, f- physical reality is great, and you can fly around the world and see all the different places and stuff like that. But when you start to go into inner reality, then you start to realize how deep things truly are. You know, it, it makes uh, flying around the world s- seem like a pretty, pretty simple stuff. And, and so when you begin to explore the nature of awareness more deeply, um, you, you just realize that, that, that there's an infinitude of things that can be discovered. Wow. I love that, by the way, as well. And Robert, I just want to say thank you so much again for coming back on the podcast. Yeah. Absolute powerhouse again. And honestly, one of our favorite guests. Thank you so much. Ah, greatly appreciate great. it, brother. <clears throat> Chris and Dan, you guys are great. You guys are great. So, so it's been a lot of fun talking with you. And uh, and, and uh, for those of you who want to see if you actually exist in a waking type of dream, a waking mental construct, don't forget to try out that uh, uh, thing of supersizing a neutral characteristic about yourself and within three or four days you'll see the world responding and you'll realize that wow yeah. you actually do exist in a mental construct yeah, but it's been, been, been a pleasure to, to talk with you guys it's, it's a lot of fun what a podcast that was thanks so much for listening and if you do want to find out more information about Robert Wagner please head over to lucidadvice.com and dreamandlucid.com and also check out his amazing written books Lucid Dreaming Gateway to the Inner Self and Lucid Dreaming Plain and Simple and please head over to the Send Podcast website and support and check out the Patreon page and how you can support this movement and we'd also love to see you all join in on the Send Hangouts and we've also created a little three easy guide to lucid dreaming with three steps to having lucid dreams to unlock the, uni- the hidden universe inside inside And that will be in the show notes of this episode at the Ascend Podcast website, which is free. So anyway, keep dreaming, everyone. We'll catch you next week. Peace. 